welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeky for Monday, March 15th. I am Caroline Gonzalez, joined by my co-host John DeShazer. And on today's show, we have broadcaster Mike Neighbors joining us to talk about the retirement of none other than Saints number nine, Drew Brees, after 20 seasons in the NFL, 15 of them with the New Orleans Saints, Super Bowl champion, 13-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro, Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, all-time leader in career passing yards, all-time dad, uh, all-time member of the New Orleans community. Uh, The list goes on for Drew Brees and his accolades, but uh, joining me on today's show, we have two gentlemen who have covered Drew Brees since he came to the New Orleans Saints in some fashion or another. Mike Neighbors, 275 one-on-one interviews with Drew Brees, which is insane. And J.D., of course, uh, covering Drew Brees with, during his time at the Times-Picayune and with the New Orleans Saints. So let's go ahead and, and jump right into it. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you being our guest. What were your thoughts when Drew came to the New Orleans Saints initially? He's coming off of that injury. New Orleans had just gone through Katrina. What were your thoughts just off the bat? Well, you had questions. Uh, Can he play the way he played before? And you love his story. I mean, he went to Purdue, wasn't highly recruited, led Purdue to a Rose Bowl, led Purdue to places they hadn't been in many years. Then in San Diego, San Diego back then. That's how long Breeze has been around. Even back then, you know, he was questioned. He who was on the bench. He was benched several times by Marty Schottenheimer. Then they draft Phillip Rivers. He wins the job. He leads him to the playoffs. And then he gets hurt. So you knew he was the talented quarterback. You didn't think he was going to be the kind of quarterback that would reach the heights he would with the New Orleans Saints. But I think you wondered about his injury and how he would play. At the time, uh, it didn't seem like a big coup for the New Orleans Saints. You know, the Mm -hmm. Miami Dolphins were interested, but there weren't a lot of teams around the NFL that were interested. I I will say this, though, you know, having the uh, advantage of, uh, you know, knowing what we know now, I still believe, you know, there's a lot of people that I say, what if he would have gone to Miami? You know, it would have changed the landscape of football, Nick Saban. I still think Drew Brees would have been a great quarterback, but I do think, Sean Payton and Drew Brees are together, are better together than apart. They both made each other better. It was magical what happened in New Orleans. I don't think Brees would have had the same career if he went to Miami. And I don't think Sean Payton would have had the same career without Drew Brees. So it was just a magical thing that happened in New Orleans at the time when Brees signed with New Orleans in so many ways. Well, J.D., I want to let you add to that, but a few things that I failed to mention at the beginning, you know, Drew Brees in his announcement 15 years uh, to the day of when he signed with the New Orleans Saints. I thought it was fun having his kids sit on the couch all wearing a jersey. They, you know, announced it by saying that they wanted to spend more time with the dad, with his their dad. Um, and, you know, he, it was his 999th Instagram post, just so much significance uh, to that post that, that, um, that announcement and everything that went into it. Um, but JD, I have to imagine that you were covering Drew when he was in that, uh, that, you know, funny looking polo button down thing, whatever he was wearing. So what were your thoughts when Drew came to New Orleans? Well, first you looked at him when he came. And if you reflect back to what Mike was talking about, his San Diego injury, it was, it was the type of injury where you said, Ooh, I mean, you, you saw that and it was like, can this dude play? Yeah. First thing. Second was, he wasn't even the face of the franchise. I mean, you know, the draft was coming. Reggie Bush eventually came. And so you looked at it and it was like, okay, this is a dude right here. Now they've got a quarterback and, you know, he'll hand it off to Reggie and he'll make sure Reggie gets the ball and that kind of thing. 
but Reggie was kind of the guy. Now, Drew did sign a big, big contract, but even then, it was still, he's hurt. Uh, what does he have? And, and then you start, you know, being, you know, journalist and whatnot, you start getting into the jaded side of it. Well, why didn't Marty Schottenheimer play him all the time? Well, why did he make him fight for his job? Well, why did they draft a quarterback? You know, all those things start running through your mind as to why he was available, not just the injury, but why, you know, the guy who had him didn't love him the way you would think he should have been loving him. Uh, and and after, after this team drafting, so, you know, those were the things that kind of jumped out. And, and then you get to training camp and he was not Drew Brees at that first training camp. I mean, he admits, you know, he was still trying to work into it. His arm wasn't right. And, you know, we were kind of looking at each other like, hmm, is, is that it? You know, is, is this, you know, this has got to get better than this, right? And I'm sure the Saints were thinking the same things because, you know, you just didn't see that pop yet. But but when they first signed him, it was like, okay, you know, this is a, this is a good name. He's, he's won some games in the league. You know, he can probably be a competent quarterback, but the injury was the thing that, that stood out to me because, you know, you just didn't know especially now we didn't know exactly how bad it was at the, at the exact time. I don't know if they ever told us at that time, this is awful <laughs> right. shoulder injury. He'll be back. He'll be hundred percent. We didn't know how awful it was. And, and just to go back, you know, Drew talked about it on Monday morning on the today show. Uh, he talked about it in the nine for number nine, a champion's journey on new about um, when Sean Payton was kind of recruiting Drew to come to the New Orleans Saints and that drive through the city, taking him through the nice areas of town that weren't exactly <laughs> torn up from Katrina. And then Sean Payton gets lost on the way back to the Austin Sports Performance Center. And Drew and Brittany are in the backseat kind of looking at what the city of New Orleans is like, you know, apart from the impact he had on the field or lack thereof initially. Uh, what do you think about the way that Drew kind of just immediately jumped in and jumped to action uh, in response to Katrina and the help that the city needed. Mike, we'll start with you. I think that's where you look at this whole story, and it is a big story. It'd be a big story if an athlete of his caliber retires, but Drew Brees is much more than a quarterback in a market. He's everything to the New Orleans Saints, and when you look at it, 15 years. If you're 15 years old to 35 years old, all you know is Drew Brees and Saints success. That's all you know. Your father will tell you, your uncle will tell you, your grandfather will tell you, <laughs> you know what? it wasn't always this way. Yeah. It wasn't always this great. And his greatness exceeds playing. It exceeds everything. I mean, the, the I, I mentioned it earlier, him coming in with Sean Payton, a brand new head coach, so many changes on that roster. It was a complete transformation. But he transformed everything outside of it. I mean, from giving back to Katrina, setting the tone as a leader on that football team where his teammates would follow him in the community as well. And that was all the way around in his career. I mean, from the oil crisis to COVID recently, he always was out there and out front with his Breeze Foundation. So you can have a great athlete in a community. And I've seen several athletes that were great players, not always great people, not always great leaders. He was the whole package, but his timing was not only great for a franchise, which had a kind of an uncertain future, the city had an uncertain future and he calmed the storm in so many ways. And that's why people are emotional about Drew Brees. I know people I know who don't even live in New Orleans anymore, people who live in New Orleans, this is a big deal. And it's only going to set in over time next year, whoever the quarterback is, 
it's going to be weird not having Drew Brees, even though we've thought about him retiring for so long. It's like anything else in life. It hits you when it happens. Yeah. yeah. New Orleans, New Orleans needed good people. They needed an infusion of good people with good hearts and good intentions and not just good intentions, but actually good acts that followed through on those good intentions because the city was on its knees. Uh, if not, you know, basically laying down. I mean, the city was hurting. Um, when you're talking about Hurricane Katrina, I still think about what it looked like and the blue roofs and people being displaced and people being despondent because they couldn't get home or people who were here uh, being without. And, and you wondered, you know, who had power and who had food and what, you know, what stores were open and what kind of services were around. And for him, you know, to come and say, I want to anchor in on this place. You know, he had between, you know, New Orleans and Miami, you know, maybe he didn't have 15 teams, but you know, the city of Miami at that time certainly wasn't torn to shreds like New Orleans was. And for him to say, I'll, I'll not only am I going to come here, I'm going to bring my family here. We're going to live here. We're going to anchor in and we're going to pitch in, you know, we ain't going to, we're going to throw money at it. We're going to actually pick up a shovel and, and do some of the hard work ourselves. I think that's what endears him as much as anything to New Orleans. Now, of course, you know, being a, being a hell of a football player doesn't hurt. But we needed good people then. I mean, and he turned out to be, you know, as good a person for the city as he was a football player. JD, can you briefly take me into the the newsroom? I haven't worked for a newspaper, but I imagine at the times, you know, it was a, a huge talking point. Not only Drew coming to New Orleans, but seeing him immediately jump into action. Can you take me uh, into maybe? your conversations at the office when we were at the office at the time, um, working for the newspaper and finding out Drew was coming to New Orleans and, and his immediate impact. Well, the big thing was, you know, he picked New Orleans. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, and that was, that was huge. He picked New Orleans. He picked a place that was in the shape that this place was and not just the city, the football franchise was not, and uh, they weren't today's saints. Okay. You know, this was, you know, right after Aaron Brooks and Billy Joe Tolliver and Billy Joe Hobart and, you know, all these kinds of things. So this franchise was not the pristine franchise that it seems to be today. It wasn't anything close to that. So, you know, you're thinking, you know, okay, who is this guy? You got to get to know who this guy is. And one of the first things you find out about his San Diego days was everybody loved him. All his teammates loved him. You know, he was, you know, it, it was almost like, you know, I don't know if it's society or, you know, I, I hate to throw a blanket over it, but, but when a guy's as good as Drew Brees, you start looking for chinks in the armor. Mm. You're looking for stuff that's wrong with him, you know, stuff that, you know, trying to dig up stuff that he did wrong and you couldn't find anything. <laughs> and that was the thing. You couldn't, you couldn't find anything. And if it was, you know, I, and to this day, I can't tell you what the worst act of Drew Brees has been off the field because you just couldn't find, you know, whether it was boyish pranks or whatever the hell it was, you couldn't find anything. So, you know, those, again, you know, we needed somebody like him to come in. And when you heard about how he was in a locker room and you saw what he had already done in San Diego, it was like, okay, you know, hopefully this guy can play, but everything else about him seems to check out. You, you just hope that he'd be a good player after that. 
Mike, you know, covering an NFL team, you or two in your case, you see players come and go often, right? You, you sign a player, you, you think he's going to have an immediate impact. You have all these expectations. And then sometimes that's not always the case, especially JD was talking about earlier, that first training camp that Drew was in coming off of that injury. But when did things start to shift? When did you realize or when did the general public realize, all right, he's the real deal? I think right away. <laughs> I mean, after that first preseason in Millsaps and John was there, it, it didn't look good. I mean, they're bringing in uh, the Scott Shanley's and Scott Fajitas. They're trying to like a patchwork defense here. They're trying to just, I remember I did sideline in the preseason back then and had a meeting myself and Tim Brando and Sean Payton. And he's like, I think this offensive line, I think this guy's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, they're just trying to figure it out. So after that preseason, they didn't win a game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you win in the opener in Cleveland. You go to Green Bay, you win that game, and then you have the Atlanta game, and it was on at that point. I mean, you, you knew this team was for real. There was something special about this team. And the, the whole thing about Breeze, to me, is the guy gets it. He gets it. He gets the fact that he's in a region that he has to be a leader. He has to. He's on a franchise that's never won. I mean, the, the favorite stat that I've seen, there's so many Drew Breeze stats. We could talk for hours and hours before he arrived in New Orleans, the winning percentage for the New Orleans Saints, if you compare it to the whole league, was third worst, along with the Cardinals. Since 2006, since he aligned with Sean Payton, they're the fourth best winning percentage in the NFL. I mean, that shows you the, the title shift of what happened when he came along. But I noticed it right away. I noticed it in 06 when they started winning early. And then they make it to the NFC championship game. Are you kidding me? After that preseason where they didn't know what they had. Yeah. And I know 07 and 08, they didn't make the playoffs, but you saw it early from Drew Brees and it never left him. JD, anything to add or extend yes. from that? Yeah. And the thing with him was, you know, with Brees, they're always, you always felt hope for the team. Uh, they didn't have winning seasons those next two years, but you always felt like they were right on the cusp of it. And, and something one of his former teammates, um, Scott Fujita, linebacker, always said about Breeze that rang true to me. He called him annoyingly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it was, you know, if they, I don't care how bad things were going, you know, you're at the paper, you're looking for a good angle, but Drew never would give you a negative. He was always, you know, if the, if the season started 0-4, the first thing Drew would say was, we just need to break the seal. We'll be fine. We just need to break the seal. We need to win one, and then we'll be fine. And it was like, dude, you, you know, you're 0-3. Come on. And we just need to break the seal. He was always like that to, from 06 to 2020. That was always his thing. You never could catch him down. Now, you might catch him a little aggravated. You know, you can tell when a guy's aggravated. But you never saw him just completely bail and say, you know what? This, ain't, this season ain't going to work. That never was him. But, but to that point, he knew as a leader, he couldn't let that show. He yeah. couldn't let the other guys know that, that he, you know, I love the body language mindset that he and Sean Payton have, that you don't show the opponent that you're upset. You don't show them that maybe they're getting the best of you. And that's big for those guys. That's mm -hmm. a big part of why they've been successful. And for Breeze, I mean, I did all kinds of interviews and all kinds of situations. Never, never impatient with me. You could tell he was frustrated, but he knew when that camera went on, it wasn't yeah. a phony thing. I'm the spokesman for this team. 
And yeah. I'm the leader of this team. And what I project, my teammates are going to see this. And you know what? My family's going to see it. My fans are going to see this. He never told me this, but you could feel it when you interviewed Drew Brees. Uh, Jeff Duncan, a friend of ours, I thought he had a great comment about Drew Brees in terms of Drew Brees wanted to win the press conference too. He's so competitive. He wants to win everything. He wants to win across the board. I mean, I have so many great stories about the competitive nature of Drew Brees. I remember doing a story on finding who every, every Olympic year, I would take a raw poll in the locker room. Who would make the best Olympian? And the first year it was Fujita. Everybody wanted Fujita and Drew didn't know that. And I said, listen, I'm doing a story. I'm asking you who would make the best Olympian and I'm getting one name. And he, and he looked at me and said, is it me? And I said, no, it's Fujita. He's a little disappointed. He's a little disappointed, but that's what makes him great is the way he carried himself as a leader, the way that he was unflappable in terms of how he handled things. And I'll tell you this, he was better with me after a loss sometimes than a win because he may have a win where he would complete 20 of 23 passes and he'd still be upset about the two incompletions. So yeah. the competitor, the leader, it's the whole package with this guy. You know, wait, now, and we got to add to this now. Zach Streif said he beat him in a ping pong match. And he said, you know, of course, Zach being Zach, he let it. He said, he swears, he swears on his grade probably that Drew went and practiced somewhere, probably in the locker room before Zach got there. Some, but he swears that Drew might even bought a table so he could practice. And the next time they played, he said Drew wiped him up with it. That that's who he that's who he is. I have confirmation on this, JD. <laughs> I heard about this story, and I asked Breeze about it, and he basically told me he went and watched a video of how that Zach had <laughs> this great serve, and he watched the video. And he came back determined. And I'll take it a step further. Scott Shanley, who I do a podcast with, told me they had this contest after a practice. And he and Chase Daniel were making these throws. And Chase Daniel's team won. Like certain throws, they had to go down the field to score. Chase Daniel's team won. They were at <laughs> practice the next day. They were going in the building. And everybody looks out the window. And they're throwing like footballs into a trash can or a bucket. I don't know the intricacies of the game. It really isn't important. But the team came back the next day after Breeze had lost to Chase Daniel. And he was outside practicing the same throws. He wanted to, it was like ping pong. I'm going to get these throws right. So the next time we play, I'm going to win. And there's no way you're winning. <laughs> I love that so much. And, I, you know, I was just about to ask the, the qualities of Drew Breeze. And everyone has always talked about his competitiveness. And that is something that makes uh, Breeze Breeze, right? And separates the, the goods from the greats. Um, in that 2009 season, what were some of the things, and I don't know if they were highlighted that season or exaggerated that season, or if they've been consistent every year he's been in the league, but maybe what were some of the characteristics that stood out to you in that Super Bowl winning season? Mike, we can start with you. I just saw him elevate himself as a leader. I mean, he didn't do the pregame chant his first year. He, he became, you know, that became a trademark for him the subsequent years. To me, he liked being a leader of this football team from the get-go, but he, he wanted to perfect that just like he perfects everything else from the pregame chant to, to the, the way the playbook grew and right. grew and grew and you know is, is humongous by the time he left. I just think it was the little things that his teammates knew they could count on. I mean, you hear the things about Breeze, first guy in, last guy out, but Breeze wanted more than that. 
He wanted to help this team in every way. And you see great leadership around the NFL. I don't see any quarterbacks doing a pregame chant like Drew Brees. I mean, he would try to find that theme, that edge, read that book. Or And Sean Payton, and he worked together great with that because Payton would have the game plan. But knowing the game plan, he would go to Payton and say, well, how about this for the pregame chant? I'm working on this. I, I saw this movie or I read this book. Always trying to get the edge. You saw that evolve and really kind of reach its crescendo in 09. JD, why do you think Drew and Drew Brees worked so well together? Why do you think that relationship took off the way it did almost immediately? Well, I think I think there was a mutual need between the two. You know, Sean needed a quarterback, Drew needed a team. Uh, and I thought, I think as much as anything, the mutual intelligence. Um, you're talking about two of the smartest guys to do it. And so now you put those two brains together. And even if they're headstrong, they can figure out, you know, a give and take to where, okay, I like this play. Okay, we're going to take this one out. We're going to add this one in. They just were maniacal and remained that way about going about their business. So, you know, who watches more film than Drew Brees? <laughs> Maybe Peyton, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, they, they went about it that way. And so you gain that mutual respect because you see somebody and you say, you know what, he works as hard at this as I do that tells me he cares as much as I do. I see how smart he is. So that tells me that we can form a union here that can work because, you know, somebody has got to be, you know, obviously coach, you know, Sean's got to be the coach. So he's got to have the last say, but you got to have some mutual respect for your quarterback after he performs. And he, and he says, look, I don't feel comfortable with this, or I even like, I feel comfortable with it, but I like this better. Now you've got that kind of relationship and when you see guys working as hard at it as both of them do, then all of a sudden you get that mutual respect and it just blossoms from there. But, you know, it, it came about just probably as a, as a need, you know, Sean Payton came in a great offensive mind with a team that didn't have a quarterback. He got who he felt was the best one out there. And Drew Brees, a quarterback without a team went to what he felt was the best situation for him and his family. I'm going to leave this next question kind of open-ended. You can pick one, you can pick two, you can pick however many you want. But when you think about Drew Brees and his uh, time on the field, and Mike, you mentioned it earlier, you could rip off, rip off any stats you want, really. There's a million different stats, a million different records, awards, all these things. Um, but when you think about Drew Brees on the field, what is the first maybe memory that comes to mind, favorite memory? Mike, we can start with you. Well, you know, what I think of when I think of Drew Brees and people can have their lists on who's the best quarterback of all time, there's not a more accurate quarterback in NFL history than Drew Brees. And I'll say one of the things I really appreciated covering him is I didn't care if it was third and 20 or third and 25 or third and 40. You felt like you had a chance with Drew Brees on third down. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's going to find a way to make it happen and, you know, you can't say that about a lot of quarterbacks, especially even the great ones. They're, they're not as accurate yeah. as Drew Brees. I mean, you look at 11 quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, and I know the numbers are inflated these days. Right. Only one has had more than one 5,000-yard passing season. And Brees has had five. Now, the numbers are inflated, but that shows you that's elite, yeah. even with all of the numbers. I mean, the quarterbacks had more three-touchdown games, four-touchdown, five-touchdown, 300-yard passing games. But the accuracy to me is paramount with Drew Brees. That's what he will forever be known for, for in my eyes, of a guy who can always make the throw at the right time and especially the clutch time uh, down the stretch. Memories, 
in terms of on the field, I got to go back to 09 in that Miami game. Him wanting to go for it right before the half. And Sean Payton's a risk-taking coach. But he Breeze really pushed Sean Payton. We can make this. He makes it, and he goes over the top. And we've hardly ever seen Breeze not convert that play. And then uncharacteristically, emphatically spikes the football in the end zone. And you almost knew at that point they're going to win this game. I don't care if they're behind. They're going to win because they have number nine. And they won that game. And that just sent them rolling uh, the rest of the season. JD. Yeah, that that was the play for me, that Miami game. And and if you want to sprinkle in some other ones, it was the fact that it seemed like every record-breaking throw went to uh, Traquan Smith or Josh Hill (laughs) or Devery Henderson. Not the big-name guys, just Drew Brees finding who's the open guy. Okay, it happens to be Josh Hill. Here's the touchdown. Who's the open guy? Oh, Traquan Smith down the right sideline. I'll throw it to him. You know, that was who he was as a quarterback. And and one of the things that stands out for him, about him, for me is, you know, something I heard Jim Moore say about Sam Mills. Uh, Jim Moore, former Saints coach, Sam Mills, former Saints linebacker. And people would always say, you know, man, Sam's such an overachiever at five foot nine and 225 pounds. And you know, man, he's a great player, but he's such an overachiever. And, you know, they said that the more and more said, no, 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 he's not an overachiever. What Sam Mills is, is the player that I've seen maximize his ability better than anybody I've ever coached. I don't know anybody who maximized their ability better than Drew Brees did uh, as a six foot quarterback who, you know, was short and he wasn't the fastest and he wasn't the most athletic but he maximized every bit of everything that he had. And that's what I think about. Mike's 275 one-on-one interviews on CST and I'm sure countless conversations off camera and things like that off the field, favorite Drew Brees memory and JD be thinking of yours. I'm going to take you behind the curtain. Uh, I'm a journalist, so I don't ask for autographs. But I knew Breeze for a long time. So I, I thought I would have fun with him on a few occasions with friends. And I'll tell you this story. A friend of mine was getting married and I couldn't go to his wedding because I had to work. And I didn't even tell Breeze really what I was doing. I just said, listen, I want to do something for a buddy. He's getting married. Didn't brief him really on it. This was 07. This is the first year we had been working together. So I didn't know, I didn't know him that well. And he said, okay, no problem. And I said, my friend's name was John. And I said, uh, started the video and I said, John, I'm sorry, I can't make your wedding, but I have a friend of mine. You know, at least I was invited. He wasn't invited. Breeze comes in and he said, yeah, John, I know the mail in New Orleans. Sometimes you're not going to get your mail, but I couldn't get a card or anything. And it, it keeps going though. Breeze didn't know any of this. And I said, and I heard you give good gifts. And Breeze said, and he starts crying. He goes, yeah, John, but I guess you'll never know. He walks off. <laughs> And, and the exclamation point on the story is he walks back and he says, was that okay? People ask me all the time, is Drew Brees a good guy? And I tell him that story. That's all you need to know. <laughs> JD, your favorite? I'm lost. I forgot the question. I'm lost. <laughs> all right. It's our favorite memory off the field of Drew Brees. I'll go while you... <laughs> You can handle it yourself. Um, I mean, I I just came to the Saints what three years ago now, uh, I think. And the first time I walked in the cafeteria, we used to all, you know, eat in the same cafeteria at the Oshner Sports Performance Center. 
and I saw Drew Brees, you know, I'm from Dallas, but obviously no Drew Brees as a person. I spent college in New Orleans. I know how highly regarded Drew Brees is, and he is the only person in the entire cafeteria when I walk in. And I am, you know, I don't really get starstruck, but I'm just kind of nervous. Like, don't do anything dumb. Don't say anything dumb. I walked in, almost slipped. I was like, get it together, Caroline. And he happened to be walking up to the front at the exact same time as me. And, you know, it's not like some romantic, like we reach for the yogurt at the same time thing, but he did let me have the last yogurt. So that is my Drew Brees story. I appreciate him for letting me have the last yogurt that one time in the cafeteria uh, amongst my first days of the New Orleans Saints. So not as of a sappy story, but still uh, pretty important to me and memorable since he, he let me have the last one. J.D.? Uh, ever more the gentleman. Um, <laughs> for me, it's just, you know, and I'm, I'm like, Mike, I'm, I'm real leery of getting autographs. And I'm real leery of the people that I even want autographs from. So I've got like a handful, like, you know, PJ Brown, who played for, for the, the Ben Hornets. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got a, a Sam Mills autograph, you know, very, 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 very few. But I had this picture of Breeze that some guy took on the road. We were at a game. He takes this fantastic picture. And he was like, hey, you know, he just shows it to me. And I was like, you know, he's a photographer for one of the other teams. I'm like, hey, give me that. You know, so he sent it to me, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, okay, this is real cool to have. You know, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to print this out. So, I, you know, I, I make a print of it. And I'm like, you know, I think I'll frame this. But you know what? I think I need to, you know, I wonder if, Maybe I'll get Drew to sign it. And I didn't, you know, and I, it took me weeks to build up the confidence to go up and say, hey, man, would you would you do this for me? I mean, yeah, but it was one of those things where I'm real leery about the people that I will do that with at all. And he just, you know, he was one of those people that 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 I thought enough of to where I, I, did, I wanted a, a, an autograph. All right, your two stories way cooler than mine, but um, you know we could we could go on all day about Drew's impact on the field, off of the field in New Orleans. Um, we could go on forever, but he is moving on now to a new chapter in his career. He's going to be joining NBC um, as a studio analyst, as members of the media. Uh, JD, I'll start with you this time. How excited are you to get that insight from Drew Brees that? you know, maybe we've been waiting for, for a long time because we've, we know he can riff off everything. We know his memory is elite. He can recall a play from 2007 if he wanted to. Uh, but how excited are you to, to watch a football game and be able to hear that insight from Drew? Well, here's, here's my belief, truly. If, if he lets it rip and I hear how people talk, you know, and fawn over Tony Romo, I think better. Uh, because he knows so much about the game. If he, if he lets it all hang out, I think he's going to be so good at it because you know he's going to do the work because you know, that's who he is. He's going to do his homework. But if he just lets his personality in there because he's got a sense of humor, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen him, you know, really, and his recall is, is something that's otherworldly. So he'll probably see a play and say, you know what, that reminds me of, you know, 2003 when I was at Purdue, you know, something like that. Yeah. And he'll call it out. So I, I hope he lets it go because it's good. I'm, I'm going to be watching because I want to see how deep into it he goes, because if, if he if he really lets himself have have some fun, I think he's going to be outstanding at it. Mike, what about you? 
I agree. And I didn't really know his passion for it. I, I saw two different instances where I, I thought, you know, he's going to be into this. Uh, maybe, maybe seven years ago, he told me this is before he had all his kids. He said, you know what, if I was ever an announcer, I'd want to call college games so I could bring my boys with me. And you heard him say when he accepted the job, he's like, I want to take my boys with me so they can feel that college atmosphere. So I knew that. But then after the Pro Bowl in Orlando last year, that's when I thought he may retire because, you know, you heard all the rumors and he was really waxing poetic about TV that I'm really into this. I want to, as JD said, I want to break it down. And I also feel the competitor in Drew Brees, he hears everybody saying Tony Romo's this and yeah. that. I'm yeah. the guy who yeah. could be the best in the business. He'll never say that, but you know, he's thinking it. But then yeah. I asked him because we know how nice Drew Brees is. Can you be critical of guys? And that's the only time I think in a long time, he kind of looked at me. He said, why would I be critical? I said, well, you know, you're just out of the league. You got to criticize these guys. And he really stood by this. It's all in how you say it. You can be critical, but it's in how you communicate the criticism. That's a big part of his approach to this. But I agree with John wholeheartedly. I think he could be better than Romo. I think he can add more in terms of personality. And there's no doubt he's going to do his homework. And if... Romo's Nostradamus, maybe he'll be Nostradamus 2.0 and even better. You know that he's thinking that. So I can't wait to hear and I can't wait to see it. You know, what's going to be really funny is to hear Brittany Bree's perspective uh, after a few years that he's working for NBC because she's like, oh, I got my husband back. The kids got their dad back. And all of a sudden, you know exactly how competitive he is. He is going to be studying film, doing prep work. I don't know. I don't know if she can yeah. settle on the fact that she's got her husband back, but uh, happy that the the kids and the family are, of course, going to be spending more time with, with Drew, their dad, and happy, uh, uh, of course, of the impact that Drew has made in the city of New Orleans. Um, Mike, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Good memories. I mean, like I said, we could go on for hours and hours on uh, our thoughts on Drew, but we appreciate your time and uh, thanks for, for delivering the news to us on Drew Brees and sharing those memories. The real reason, though, he did the interviews with me all those years is because I make him look 6'5", let's be honest. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. Oh, all right, Mike, we appreciate your time. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks to Mike for joining us on the show. I know it was a little awkward there at the end, but uh, when I was losing my train of thought, I had just got a notification from my Saints app about Drew Brees joining uh, Football Night in America on NBC, as we talked about in the show. Um, but hey, if you want to get those updates on your watch or your phone, download the Saints app right now. We have a ton of content for you right now on neworleansaints.com. We have top nine plays from his career. We have him on Good Morning Football. We have Lance Moore recalling the first impression of Drew Brees. We have the actual video of the Brees kids announcing uh, his retirement from the NFL. We have pictures, we have videos, we have a thank you number nine video. All of that is available right now on neworleansaints.com or of course through your Saints app. So make sure you are part of this celebration uh, by going online or going on your Saints app. Man, fantastic interviews with Mike Neighbors and John DeShazer. A lot of memories, a lot of, um, you know, just good times uh, with Drew Brees and so thankful for all of the things he did for the city of New Orleans, for this franchise. Uh, words cannot 
um, amount to how much he has done and the impact that he has made in the city and on Louisiana. All right, well, I am Caroline Gonzalez. The Drew Brees uh, saga, the Drew Brees goodbye will continue this week. We actually have Luke McCown joining us later this week on the New Orleans Saints podcast. So don't miss that. We will continue the goodbye to number nine uh, all week on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks again to Mike Neighbors for joining us on the show. And of course, my co-host, John DeShazer. As I just mentioned, we will have Luke McCown on Wednesday on the Saints podcast. So don't miss that as we continue our goodbye to number nine. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk again on Wednesday.